Hey there, and welcome to the latest electrifying episode of the Electrify Everything Show. We're your go-to podcast for all things electric, from cars, trucks, bikes, planes, and yes, anything with an internal combustion engine that's on the verge of becoming obsolete. And of course, we'll explore the exciting future of how we power these machines. Now you might be wondering if you've been following our last 23 odd episodes, where I've been lately. Well my team and I have been on a mission. A mission to accelerate the world's transition to electric vehicles. Because you see, we're not here just doing a podcast. We're actually out there putting it to work in the real world. It's a bold and audacious goal but it's been an exhilarating journey filled with hard work and determination. As Ben Horowitz highlights in his book, The Hard Thing About Hard Things, we've been in the struggle for the past three years, getting our new company off the ground and working to make an impact. But enough about that. Stick around until the end and I'll catch you up on all the details. For now, let's dive headfirst into the electrifying world of everything electric, exploring the most fascinating and relevant developments in the EV universe. But first I'd like to start with a shout out to our friends over at the Now You Know YouTube channel. They were kind enough to interview me a few weeks ago, and the interview, along with their critical review, is now available on their Patreon site. If you haven't checked them out yet, do yourself a favour and subscribe to both the YouTube channel and their Patreon. It's worth every penny. On today's show, we've got an electrifying lineup. We talk about Toyota, their latest efforts to stay in the game. Some shocking research has come to bear on how traditional internal combustion engine cars can actually harm living beings just by emitting exhaust. And why cleaner air is a breath of fresh air for us all. The Oracle of Omaha makes another brilliant bet, Uh, BYD, which is a contender about to surpass Tesla. The World Economic Forum's recent report on the need for up to 2 million public level 2 charges in the US by 2030 will tell you why they might be missing the mark. The Church of England's surprising move and its global implications. The UK government's pivot on net zero goals with a twist that's reminiscent of the Brexit drama. The State of the Union, why Tesla could emerge as a big winner amidst ongoing union strikes in the US. And finally, the moment you've all been waiting for, an inside look at what we've been up to for the past three years. This is the Electrify Everything show, bringing you the latest and greatest from the perspective of a Kiwi living and working abroad. Now let's kick off with a focus on Toyota, who, let's face it, hasn't quite hit the mark when it comes to electric vehicles. Remember when Toyota was all the rage? The Supra and the Celica were the stuff of dreams. In fact, I owned a Celica and it was still one of my favourite cars. Then came the Prius, a groundbreaking environmental step forward, even if some of us, including myself, weren't exactly fans of its styling. Jeremy Clarkson famously said that Toyota put the mental and environmental due to its unnecessarily complex hybrid technology, but the Prius still found its way into the hearts of eco-conscious folks worldwide. However, Prius sales peaked in 2012 and have steadily been declining since, 
hitting their lowest point last year since 2005, dropping below 200,000 units. Toyota has been pretty vocal in its resistance to fully electric vehicles. In 2017, their president claimed, the world is not ready for electric vehicles. In 2021, the former chairman chimed in with, electric vehicles are not the only way to achieve carbon neutrality. And in 2022, the current president stated, the right answer is still unclear. We shouldn't limit ourselves to just one option. But what's frustrating is that for a while, Toyota was a true pioneer with the press, serving as a bridge between internal combustion engines and full EVs. However, times have changed, and EVs have evolved to a point where we don't need complex hybrids anymore, especially as EV costs continue to drop. Fast forward to today, and the world's largest automaker has only released one EV and it had some pretty basic wheel-related issues. So if you're considering going electric and come across some FUD about why hybrids are superior, you need to ask yourself a few questions in my view. Question one, do you want to deal with the maintenance and servicing of an internal combustion engine when EVs require significantly less maintenance? Question two, how far do you really drive most of the time? Modern EVs can easily cover more than 300 miles on a charge, which is plenty for most daily commutes. Question 3. Do you have access to convenient charging options in your area or at your home? And last but not least, what will be the resale value of your hybrid when the world's fully transitioned to electric? Love him or hate him, and many do, Jeremy Clarkson's comment about Toyota putting the mental and environmental now seems spot on. In my opinion, Toyota needs to make a swift pivot towards full EVs if they want to stay relevant in the rapidly evolving automotive landscape. So what are they doing about it? Well, they've been teasing us with potential battery technologies and flashy concept cars that may never see the light of day. In 2021 alone, they unveiled 21 potential new models, most of which lack specific details. They promised 435 miles of range, solid-state batteries, impressive acceleration, all EVs have that by the way, but it's all been shrouded in press hype without clear timelines. While some strategists argue that Toyota is hedging its bets, the truth is they're falling behind Tesla and Chinese manufacturers. Toyota is currently promoting next-gen batteries that claim to offer an astounding 620 miles on a single charge. But these won't hit the market until 2026, and the details around them are pretty scarce. Is this about true innovation, or is it just a delay tactic to retain existing customers? It might work for a while, with loyal fans, but not indefinitely. My advice, if you can't push a traditional giant like Toyota to innovate from within, invest in a scrappy startup, attract top talent, and set them free to innovate outside the company, with of course access to some of Toyota's resources. Anything has got to be better than the current slow pace. Now let's delve into some groundbreaking research that should be common sense, but still manages to astound some. Reducing air pollution can extend lives and reduce premature deaths, both of which are the same thing, by the way, but you'll see different headlines related to those. 
The American Lung Association's recent research reveals that transitioning to EVs faster than projected could save 89,000 lives annually by reducing premature death caused by air pollution. The report also suggests that this shift could save a staggering $978 billion in health care costs by 2050 and increase productivity by preventing 10.7 million lost workdays. Who wouldn't want longer lives, increased productivity and a better quality of life? It seems to be a no-brainer, especially when you consider that on average every human breathes in 11,000 litres, that's 2,900 gallons for my American friends, of air every day. Do you want that air that fills the lungs of yourself, your wife, your husband, your partner, your children, your grandchildren, family members to be filled with exhaust fumes or the zero exhaust fumes of an EV? Seems like a no-brainer, right? We all witnessed cleaner air during the COVID lockdowns when we stopped burning stuff under the hoods of our vehicles. It's that simple. Cleaner air longer lives and a healthier planet and i believe it's a future that's worth getting excited about now for anybody who's experienced or had to experience somebody who's had any sort of lung health issues it's it's a truly horrible experience i after attempting to almost lose my arm when i was involved in a mountain biking accident i had to spend a long weekend in hospital and the main ward was full so they put me in the geriatric ward. We watched a game of rugby, the New Zealand All Blacks, and during the time of that game, 80 minutes, one of the gentlemen had to have his lungs emptied three times. It is a truly awful way to die, and I wish it upon no one. If we can help doing what we do in our small part to make the world a better place in regards to cleaner air, I think that's something worth getting behind. Now let's look at the uh, the Oracle of Omaha, the one and only Warren Buffett and what he is investing in. Now if you're not familiar, Warren Buffett has invested in a relatively unknown company a few years back called Build Your Dreams or simply BYD. Fast forward to today and BYD is making waves in the EV world, aiming to become the largest EV manufacturer globally. According to Fortune magazine, they are only about 3,000 cars away from surpassing Tesla as the world's top EV seller. Yes, you heard that right. A battle of epic proportions between the Chinese and the Americans is underway. Why the rivalry? Well, because some folks in America refuse to acknowledge that Tesla, a true American design, belongs to the United States. It's a bit of a debate, but one thing's for sure. BYD doesn't just limit itself to pure electric vehicles, they're also into hybrids. In the last quarter they sold over 820,000 vehicles, smashing records left and right. They're China's best-selling brand and European automakers are keeping a close eye on the influx of Chinese-made hybrid and electric vehicles. Now the headlines may sound controversial and attention-grabbing, but the rise of Chinese electric vehicle production and sales shouldn't surprise anyone. The Chinese have been investing heavily in this technology for over a decade with state-level support to dominate the industry. 
This sets a really powerful example for the rest of the world. Yes, we have well-established industries tied to fossil fuels, and plenty of money flows from them, but losing the race for this technology is as significant as losing the battle for renewable energy. The future is electric and electricity should come from renewable sources. Why aren't those technologies manufactured locally? Anyone investing in these technologies will be better off, and the Chinese are determined to lead. But this anti-Tesla sentiment, primarily driven by Tesla's non-union status, isn't the way forward. My take is that countries should support and boost domestic producers of innovative technologies rather than trying to outcompete them. What can we expect? Possibly restrictions on imports to slow down this influx of Chinese technology? The world wants to be cleaner, but the fact that it's China leading the charge is causing unease among Western policymakers. It's a pivotal moment. The world is striving for a cleaner future, and the country invested in this tech is not always the one everyone likes. Bottom line, BYD keeps getting better, and they'll continue to do so. If we're not careful, they might even push foreign manufacturers out of their own market. They could dominate the global market with superior technology that's better for the environment, better for consumer wallets, and an overall better driving experience. It's been in the making for years, and countries need to invest heavily now if they expect to catch up. Otherwise, they are running the risk of being left behind. Now let's shift gears and talk about something intriguing. The World Economic Forum just released a blog post outlining a smart idea to scale up urban EV charging infrastructure. Their concern was they're predicting that the US will need 2 million level 2 public charging plugs to support 48 million EVs by 2030. But here's the thing, that number seems way off. According to the International Energy Agency, the IEA, you need one public charging station for every 10 EVs. doesn't take a mathematician to work out that 1 or 2 million charges for 48 million EVs is well behind that ratio. In dense urban areas, this holds true for the American economy as well. In fact, some suggest the number could be closer to 2 million in the report, but my humble opinion that it should be around 5, a ratio of 1 to 10. We must establish a widespread network of charges where people already parking their cars can charge them. Now this is because cars are parked 95% of their lives. If they're electric, they might as well be charging. Now the idea that they put forward in their document is that is turning lampposts into charging stations. Now this is a really interesting idea, but it's not entirely new. It's been looked at before. Some companies have been exploring electrifying light poles and infrastructure for a while now but they face the challenge of inadequate power supply in many cases. Not the case apparently in Los Angeles, but Los Angeles is an anomaly. Moving on to another significant development from earlier this year, in June the Church of England made a remarkable announcement. They declared they'd no longer invest in fossil fuel companies unless there's a genuine commitment, those are the key words, genuine commitment to limit global temperatures to under 1.5 degrees above current levels. This is a substantial move, even though the Church of England's previous oil and gas investment of about £10.3 billion, or $13 billion US dollars, might not be Wall Street size. The big question is, will oil and gas companies take this seriously? It's doubtful because we're witnessing not peak oil, which is something that we talked about in the early 2000s and prior to that, but we're, we're witnessing peak oil pricing. 
The best price for oil and gas is right now, and there's no point in hoarding it. You need to sell it. Despite the public noise, many investment firms still prioritise profits from oil and gas over potentially speculative climate change technologies. I've experienced that firsthand myself. There's a lot of rhetoric, there's a lot of beating the chest and talking about ESG, but when the rubber hits the road, there's a lot of investment going into oil and gas still. What's fascinating here is that even in the face of climate change scepticism in some religious groups, the Church of England is following both science and faith, advocating for climate justice. This move raises an interesting question. Will it influence the broader investment community? It's likely. Will it make a short-term difference given the returns oil and gas can offer? Probably not. The real challenge lies in transitioning to cleaner energy sources while balancing economic concerns and job retention in traditional industries. But the longer you delay the investment in cleaner energy sources, the closer you push traditional industries like oil and gas to the edge of a cliff, where the only reaction is a hard and sharp one. Okay, let's now address a bit of news that's less than stellar. Unfortunately, it seems like the UK's Prime Minister has decided to take a step back on climate initiatives. Specifically, he's pushed back the ban on internal combustion engine sales from 2030 to 2035. Now, some would argue this puts the UK in line with the rest of Europe, but it's a bit disheartening as the UK was seen as a leader in this space. When we consider the urgency of the energy transition and the need to reduce our planet warming emissions, the cheapest time to act would have been yesterday, but we can't do that. In reality, it is right now. Every day of delay makes it more expensive to address these issues in the future, but politicians, as we should expect, just like kicking the can down the road. Now, you don't need to take my word for it. We can see the real-world impacts all around us. Major storms are wreaking havoc, floods are becoming more common, there's unprecedented levels of rainfall and hurricanes, and even wildfires pushed their smoke down from Canada over the, uh, New York, making air virtually unbreathable. In 2021, the Australian bushfires alone claimed a billion animals. These disasters are causing problems for ordinary folks as well, from higher insurance premiums to areas where insurance isn't even available, like parts of Florida and California. For the UK, reversing this stance might end up costing them more in the long run compared to pushing the industry to produce cleaner products faster. The real test is whether the English people find this topic important enough to hold their leaders accountable when they come to vote next year. The State of the Union Let's now shift gears to something happening in the United States that sheds light on the energy transition's real-world impact on workers, the United Auto Workers, or UAW, strike. UAW is currently negotiating with major automakers like General Motors, Ford and Stellantis for better pay and working conditions, and as a result they're on strike. But there's an elephant in the room, Tesla. Tesla, with its non-unionised workforce, doesn't enjoy the same favour among political parties as other automakers. The shift to electric vehicles requires fewer workers compared to traditional internal combustion engine manufacturing. But it's not just about the unions, it's about ensuring that everyone has a job in this transition. The UAW wants to slow down the electric vehicle shift until they can guarantee jobs for all. This situation should benefit Tesla because it slows down the big three automakers 
automakers transition to EVs, but it's not the best thing for the entire industry, and it's not the best thing in terms of our mission to accelerate the transition to electric transport. There's more to the story, however. The UAW has actively tried and failed to unionise Tesla workers, and the outcome of this strike could determine their future prospects. On the other side, the Detroit Three, as they're called, argue that agreeing to higher wages and better working conditions would push them towards bankruptcy due to the high costs associated with transitioning to electric manufacturing. In the end, the only winner is potentially looking like Tesla, and they look like the one who will gain from this situation. Let's go on to something a bit more positive. We're looking ahead to 2024, and there are some exciting EVs hitting the market. Get ready for a fantastic year. Here's a few models to keep an eye on. We've got the Volvo E30. Now, Volvo is well known for their safety features. They might not make the most exciting car, but if they can produce this with a price tag of around 36 grand, it'll be a winner. The Volkswagen ID7 is a sleek four-door sedan with a 77 kilowatt hour battery under the floor, providing a respectable 282 horsepower, great looking little car. If you're into smaller cars, the, and we're unlikely to see this in the United States, but the Fiat 500e is a charismatic little vehicle with a short range but a perfect drive for city driving. Honda is stepping into the EV game with its first EV, and we hope it comes with better wheel attachment than some others. The Polestar 5, expected to compete with the Model S, offers 884 horsepower, making it potentially a fierce competitor. We don't know anything about its charging rate. Uh, it does have quite a lot of newton meters of torque as well, but it is well below the 1,020 horsepower of the Tesla Model S Plaid, and at $100,000, it's already priced above the base level, level Model S, which is now 89 grand. What I think is very exciting is the fully electric Dodge Charger, coming out with an 800 volt architecture. Uh, it's a two-door, it's sure to please fans of classic American muscle cars, and it just looks super cool. Hopefully it's got better uh, security. It's an internal combustion engine version, which is one of the most broken into cars and stolen in the market. And if you're in the market for a relatively boring looking family sedan, check out the Buick Electra 5. I'm sure there'll be a few of those turning up to uh, pick up children after school. And let's of course not forget the much anticipated Tesla Cybertruck. I believe they're now north of 2.5 million pre-orders and counting. Overall, 2024 promises a wide range of new EVs, and as technology improves, we can expect enhanced entertainment and autonomous features inside these vehicles. Oh, I can't wait. Okay, so finally, let's have a peek into what we've been doing the last three years. I'll give you some news about our journey with our new company, Invisible Urban Charging. Over the past three years, we've ventured into the United States, breaking into the market during the challenging times of COVID-19. We've forged valuable relationships with key players in the industry, partnered with major companies like Giant Lang LaSalle or JLL, and worked closely with a New Zealand-based software company for all of our software development. Our vision is simple. We provide EV charging as a service, <clears throat> handling everything from design to installation, operation, and monetization. And here's the kicker. 
We've recently signed the largest EV charging as a service contract in the world, covering a staggering 300,000 charges. We're also on the verge of announcing another substantial contract here in the US. Now here's where it gets interesting. While the industry talks about ESG investing and the energy transition, we've faced challenges in securing investments, possibly due to the industry's complex nature and the strong financial performance of oil and gas. But let's look at the numbers. Investing about $2.5 billion to deploy enough EV charging infrastructure to support 3 million EVs can displace 75 million barrels of oil consumption, saving $6.75 billion in oil costs annually. Obviously that's pretty efficient, but we believe this transition is not only environmentally responsible but economically sound. But of course, that $6.75 billion goes out of oil and gas and is replaced into a new industry. Really exciting stuff, been a hell of a journey. Uh, happy to share with anybody who wants to reach out. And of course, watch that Now You Know interview and the, the corresponding review of the interview if you want to get more detail on that. So that wraps up episode 24 of the Electrify Everything Show. If you've enjoyed it, hated it, or you're simply indifferent, please leave us a review. We're committed to keeping you informed about the electrifying changes happening in the world. In the next episode, we'll dive into topics like data centers, ZEV mandates, electric snowmobiles, aircraft, lucid model motors, and more. If you know someone who'd be a great guest on the show, feel free to reach out to me at nigel at iucharging.com. Thanks for tuning in and lending me your ears. Remember the world is electrifying and we're here to keep you plugged in.